This morning, we're going to be doing a teaching when continuing on in our, uh, in our series called Breaking the Poverty Mindset. <clears throat> now, I realize that this is Mother's Day, and it would seem like I should be talking about mothers. But today, I want to talk about something that is a scripture that has been really been on my heart for quite a few weeks now, for, for maybe over a month or so, and I've been studying it and thinking about it and meditating on it and getting up in the middle of the night and just thinking about it because my brain just goes and goes and goes. And today, I want to talk about like father, like son. And we're going to be reading from a scripture in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 27 Uh, reading from the nearly infallible version, the NIV version, starting at verse 17. And it says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commands, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal, and you should not give false testimony, and you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Seems like it's an important way of being able to have a good life is to live by these rules and regulations. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away sad because he had great wealth. We're talking about breaking the mindset of poverty. And it seems a little peculiar that we'd be reading a story about some rich guy who has all the money he needs in the world? <clears throat> who has respect for rich people? Who's worried for rich people whether they're gonna make it in life? Nobody's really going to bed at night and worrying about the rich people in the world and how are they gonna survive and how are they gonna make ends meet? No one is worried about those things. We're worried about the poor people, the, the people who are trafficked, the people who are enslaved, the people who are oppressed. But who's worried about a rich person whatsoever? But the thing is with a rich person is that they can have a mindset of poverty just as much as someone who doesn't have money because it's nothing about money. It's everything about a mindset. It's everything about our behaviors. And today, I want to talk about what we discover here in this scripture. When you're growing up, you're dependent on your parents teaching you how to handle life. And I think of it as like a backpack. When you grow up, and you're growing up as a child, your parents either intentionally or unintentionally teach you and give you tools to handle life, to even interpret life. And as you're given this backpack, they give you some good tools and maybe even some bad tools. And when you've given tools, and if, I don't know if any of you have ever you know, used a tool before, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a tool here. Can you tell me what is this tool right here? Some of you said a hammer, that's wrong. It's a mallet, right? I said it in the first service. Look at this hammer, and someone went, mallet. You're right, no, it's a mallet, okay? Right, because hammers hammer nails, right? And hammers are very important because wherever there's a nail, you hammer it, right? 
I'm not talking about your personality, right? I'm the, some people are like hammers, and whenever they see a nail, they just hammer it really hard, right? And a mallet is something that, you know, is used in maybe to, to knock wood about or something so you don't injure the wood, and, and, and mallets are very important. Or maybe we've got this. Maybe, maybe you've got a, a, a pair of pliers in your tool bag, and whenever you need something to twist, you've got these pair of pliers. Or maybe you've even got a wrench here, and a wrench is very important because it can, it can actually take bolts that are a certain size, and it can even adjust itself to be able to twist that bolt. Now, if I had a bolt in my life and I needed to twist that bolt, my thinking man arms wouldn't be able to twist that bolt by itself, right? I would need a wrench to be able to twist that bolt there. Maybe you even have a screwdriver in your bag. And what do screwdrivers do? Does anyone know? What do they do? Well done, excellent. That is excellent. Write that one down. A screwdriver screws screws, right? Screwdriver screws in screws, and they unscrew screws. That's what they do, right? They don't, they don't chisel at stuff. They're not meant to be used for anything else. That's what they're meant to be used for. And the amazing things about tools is that when they're used properly, they're very productive. If anything, they enhance the thing that they're interacting with. So if I have a screw in my car and it's got a, a screw loose or something and it's fallen out, that screw is useless by itself. It's only useful when it's actually doing its job, that is holding two pieces together. It's only useful when it's actually tight in there. But I can't do that with my fingers. I need to have the screwdriver to screw that screw in and make it tight so it's doing its job. Now, if I walk along and I drive, so walk along, if I'm driving along in my car and suddenly my car breaks down and my tire goes flat, I can look at that tire and go, oh, I need to get that tire fixed. I wonder what tools I have in my bag to try and fix this. And I'm digging through my bag, a mallet, nope, wrench, nope. I'll, you know what, a screwdriver. That's probably the best tool that I'll use right now. Let me see if I can fix this flat tire with that screwdriver. And maybe some of you are genius enough where you could literally, you know, get the wheel off and you could pry the, the tire off and then, and then get the, 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 the puncture fixed and then put it back on with the screwdriver. But there's a good chance you'll ruin that tire. Moreover, there's a good chance you'll even ruin the screwdriver. Maybe you're the type of person that's inventing it enough to be able to use the tools that you've got in your life to succeed, to get along in life. But the fact is, something's gonna break at some point. You see, when you apply the wrong tool to the wrong, uh, 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 the wrong problem or the wrong challenge that is in front of you, you're heading for a problem. And I believe that bags are a bit like uh, uh, tools, tools of bags or bags of tools are like, a little bit like something that your family gives to you. Your mother and father gives you the tools to handle life. They give you a way of learning how to interact with life. They give you a way of being able to decide how do I tackle this thing in my life. And what I found is that there are two questions that every child asks of their parent when they're interacting with their parents. The two questions are this. They always ask this one question, what do you want? And the second question they always ask is, what do you love? What do you want and what do you love? And as you're going along in life, your parents are teaching you how to handle life by how they interact with the things that they want and they love as well. And as you see how they do things, we start to mimic them as children. 
But the problem, I believe, is this, is that many of us are mimicking much of our dysfunctions of our parents too. Now, I'm not gonna say that your mother and your father didn't give you good things. They probably did give us good things, but there are often things that they did in order to try and control life that were dysfunctional. Maybe your father was a workaholic. Maybe he was someone who just worked all the time and he never took time off. He never took a time to say, hey, let's spend some time together as a family. Let's go on a vacation and spend time. So you've never experienced what it is to actually spend time with a family and you don't know how to manifest a warm, loving emotion within your current family, with your current marriage, with your current children because you've never seen it modeled with your father. You never saw modeled even with your mother. Maybe, maybe your, your father or your mother was a lazy person where they didn't, they didn't put much effort into life and they lived with the lowest common denominator in life. They were hoarders, as Pastor Crystal talked about last week. And let me tell you, if, you want, if, you, if, you, if you're ready for a good teaching, I want you to go back and listen to Dr. Crystal's teaching from last week about scarcity and how we, we tend to try and hold on to things and hoard things because we're too scared we're going to lose this stuff in life and they'll never be anything else in the future for us. And if you grew up that way, you tend to act that way yourself because that's the tools that your parents use. That's the tools that you use as well. Maybe they were addicted type of people. Maybe they were angry. I've seen many young men who are angry and, the, and what they did is they learned that behavior from their father too. Whether maybe you got this anger within you and you were at school and when you got bullied, you were able to dig into that anger and defend yourself. And that at that moment, the anger worked for you and it worked really well. But now you're in a marriage and you're using that anger and it doesn't work on your marriage. Your wife doesn't love you because you're angry. Your husband is not convinced that you are so smart because you're angry, right? And what we do is we're going, yeah, but I can't get rid of this. It just seems this is the thing that I always do. That's right, because whenever you come across a problem, you pick up your bag and you pick out the tool that was given to you because you don't have another tool. You don't have something else to fix this particular problem. You see, tools are used in two different ways. They're used to bring us comfort or to bring us control. The tools and the way that we respond in life are, are, are used to bring us comfort or to bring us control. At the end of the day, it comes down to this, that our parents equip us with the tools for life. But it's not the opportunities that we lack, but it's the right responses to them that we lack. You see, the rich young ruler had all the money he needed. He probably had all the education he needed. He probably had all the connections that he needed. He had the intelligence. He had the ability. He had all the opportunities he needed, but he knew he still didn't have life because it's not the opportunities that we lack, but the right responses to them that we lack. So, how then do we find the missing tools in our body? How do we go about finding the right tools in our lives to put them into our lives, to put them into our backpack? How do we go find the right tools so that when I break down, I'm not dependent on a screwdriver to fix everything? When my marriage is not going well, when my job is not going well, when my health is not going well, when things are not manifesting in the way that I want them to in my life, how do I get the right tools to respond to the challenges and the difficulties that come my way? Here's what it comes down to. 
to find the right tools, to break the poverty mindset, to find the missing behaviors. There are four little things that we seem to always attend to. We always attract ourselves to, and I do this myself. And none of the things I'm about to say are bad. They're all good, but they're inadequate in and of themselves. Here's the first one, books. Now, I love reading books. I I, I read books all the time, and I'll get inspiration, and, and they're absolutely wonderful, and I'll get challenged and new ideas and new thoughts. You can have business books, self-help books, uh, theology books, Bible books, every type of book under the sun, they're great. The other thing we use is counselors. And counselors, I think, are very important because you need a mentor, you need a coach, you need need someone who has been down the path that you're trying to go to that can actually give you advice on how to handle the path that you're trying to go down to. The other one is conferences. I like going to conferences, and the cool thing with conferences is when you're at a conference, you're not just learning new information, which you could probably YouTube and Google anyway, right? But when you go to a conference, you're with other people that are on the same journey, and it's exciting. You seem to learn more. You seem to absorb more when you're around like-minded people that are trying to learn the same thing. But the last one I think is probably more common than not for most of us is culture. We tend to expect that culture will teach us what to believe or not to believe, which is why we'll endlessly scroll through videos on Facebook or something to find out opinions about politics or opinions about guns or opinions about this or that, and we're looking to culture to to, to gird up our arguments or we're looking for stupid people that we can practice our arguments on, right? And we're looking for culture to try and give us the tools that we need for life to be able to have the fullness of life that we want. But here's the thing. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asked him this question. Good teacher, how might I have fullness of life? How might I find eternal life? Good teacher. What did Jesus say? He said this. Why are you calling me good? Now, I don't know if anyone else ever read that and thought, why did Jesus say that? You are good. Why? (laughs) You know you're good. I know you're good. What's going on here? Why would he do that? Because I believe that Jesus was challenging him to say, you're just looking for an advisor. You're just looking for a tool. You're just looking for a, a, a new method in order to be able to add it on to your list of things that you already do. You're just looking for a new tool to fix whatever problem you've got. You're looking for a conference, you're looking for a counselor, you're looking for a book, you're looking for a culture, but you're not looking past it because the fact is what Jesus was saying, you are missing something here. You've forgotten that this is not about some goodness. This isn't just about some good tools that you can have. This is about looking for a good father. This is about changing your behavior because of what your father teaches you to do. Quite a few years ago, I had this young guy who asked me to mentor him and I spent a lot of time with him and, and he had come into town. He never had like a Christian background and he said, I wanna have what you've got. I wanna have the family you've got, the, 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 the vocation you've got, the, the money you have, the friends you've got, the influence, all that stuff that you've got. That's the life that I want. Could you mentor me? And I said, sure, I'll be happy to do it. And I got involved in his life and I started to teach him how to handle his business and I helped him to start up his business. I gave him uh, uh, advice on how to handle the relationship that he was in because it was very dysfunctional and uh, things were going well. But he got to this place where everything was coasting along and it was doing really well. And he decided to drop off on the map of relationship with me. And then about a year ago or so, he got in touch with me again and texted me and said, things have not been going as well as, they, as I'd hoped they would do and, 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 I, and my business is not doing well. And I wonder if we could meet up again and have some mentorship. 
My heart is to say, yes, I would love to help a person. And I said, what was the last thing I told you to do? And he said, I don't really know what that was. And I said, well, we texted about this just one year ago. Go look at that text and then get back to me and ask me if there's something else you think that needs to get done. So he said, well, actually, I lost my phone, so I don't really know what it was. And I said, well, last year, I told you, you need to get involved in a church, in a community of believers, and start receiving from more people than just yourself, than just the people that you choose to put in your life. I said, you don't have to come to my church. Go to any church, but get yourself involved with more people. Get connected to good people that can help you to discover the tools that you need in your life. I never got an answer back. He didn't come back. He didn't ask for any more mentoring. You see, what I was trying to do was get him to the place where he would look past me. He would look past the things that I had. Because one of the things that I've discovered in life is that all the good men that I've tried to become like, all the good men that I've tried to come close to, to learn from, I discovered this one common thing between them all. Now listen now, it's this. Not one of them was trying to become a good or great man of God. Not one of them. They were all trying to become, listen now, great sons. They weren't trying to become great men. They were trying to become great sons because sons and daughters only follow what their, God, what their father and mother calls them to do. Listen, ultimately God is looking to kick your parents to the curb. Ultimately, God is trying to remove your parents in your life. They've done a great job up to this point and the tools they've given you, some good, some bad, but at some point, you have to now get past the things that your mother and father has given you. You have to move past the tools that are in your bag and say, Father, I need you to be my dad. I need you to show me how to love. I need you to show me how to handle life. Please become my father. And we have to learn how to become sons and daughters of the Most High. We're so busy getting what we want that we forget what God wants. This is gonna take me back to the two questions that I just told you about earlier on. The two questions. We're gonna have a quick look at them. Number one. The first question is this. What do you want? Jesus told this rich young ruler this. He told him what the Father wants. <clears throat> you know the commands, Jesus said. You shall not murder you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not do these list of things. And those list of things are things that bring us holiness. That basically means it conserves your life to not put you in a position where you'll be screwed up. It conserves your life to not put you in a position where things will be taken from you, that you will be hated, that you'll be reviled. It, can be, it simply preserves your life so you're not in bondage. Listen, if you become a thief, you will become in bondage. You'll be put into prison. If you become a murderer, you'll be put into bondage. We know about that. It's called prison. It's called jail. That's a physical bondage. But in the same way, we get into a bondage in our lives. If we follow the right ways of God, we, we, we tend to be able to avoid the things that would put us into bondage. But here's the thing. All this stuff was about, listen now, it was about treating other people well. And that's a good thing. But the guy said this, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. What he was confessing to and what he was admitting to was that still doesn't work. Wait, doing good things doesn't bring you the fullness of life and eternal life. It doesn't bring you all the joy you want. Exactly. It's good, but it's not good enough. 
You see, there's not, a, there's not a, a specific amount of rules or regulations that you'll ever be able to keep that will bring you the joy and satisfaction that you truly desire in life until you ask the second question. The second question was this. What do you love? You see, every child is asking their father and mother consciously or subconsciously, what do you love? And Jesus said this, you lack one thing. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, what he wasn't telling him was this. He wasn't telling him, oh, you got money, you should get rid of it. See, most of us have money in this room. Is Jesus telling you that you should get money, you should get rid of all your money? If you get rid of all your money, suddenly you'll have life and you'll discover what the meaning of life is and you'll have all this joy? No, Jesus wasn't pointing to the fact of giving money. He was pointing to the fact, oh, this is what your father loves. This is what captures your father's heart. This is what captures everything of love within himself. See, the first list was a list of do nots, but the second list that he gave him was a list of, here's what your father loves. In John 3, 16, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me give you a little quick uh, uh, theological jerky, okay? That just means it's something to chew on, right? So some of you uh, really like to get into deeper theology. The Old Testament is all the question of what does God want? But the New Testament is all about what does God love? And it's not until you discover what God loves will you have the tools for life, will you become given, will you be able to receive the tools from God to be able to handle the life that you want to have. Even Jesus mimicked the Father when he said, I only do what I see the Father doing, he said in John chapter five, verse 19. But what we have done is we have become such a self-help culture and we have forgotten that children learn, listen now, children learn by mimicking their father and their mother. We become such a self-help culture to have to understand everything. But let me tell you, children can't understand everything. They won't understand everything. But when they learn how to obey their father and mother, they will be able to embrace the things that their father and their, love, their mother actually loves. Here's a question for you. What are your children mimicking? When you're going through difficulty and trouble with paying bills or something like that, how do you respond? How do you act? Because the way you respond and you act shows your kids how they should respond and act. If you, if you grasp onto working harder or fighting more and I, or, or shouting and, and fighting with your spouse, you're teaching your children that that's really what you love. You don't love your spouse, you love fighting. You love being right. That's what your children's gonna do. Do you see how this works? When I was a child, uh, I remember uh, one of the things that I, my, my dad used to love was he used to love working in the garden. And, I, and I, could t I didn't consciously think, oh, my dad loves in the garden. I should go work with him. It was a subconscious thing. It was a heart level. You don't legislate your heart. You just feel your way through things. And when I was a child, I remember my dad going away and he would, he would kind of go into town to run some errands. And, and when I was there, I remember getting up one day and I was thinking, I should cut the grass. 
And I went into the garage and my dad used to have one of these lawnmowers that you know you, you, you have to pull it with, with the, this, this pull cord and it had a little roller on the back so that when you cut the grass, it would press the grass down and you get these striped, you ever seen it on TV when you get the big fields and they're able to make these kind of striped colors of the green? It's because it presses the grass down one particular way. And I remember I used to, I would take the time to mow the grass and I'd make these perfect stripes in the grass and then I would get the shears and I would, I would cut all the edge. And I remember my dad coming home and he, would, and he would drive up the driveway and he would go, who cut the grass? Who, who cut the grass? And i go, oh, that was me, <laughs> right? And I'd feel this joy, this rush of joy. Why? Is it because I loved grass so much? Is it because uh, grass was my thing because it was all stripy and stuff? Or was it because I loved something that my father loved and I felt his joy? Because when you feel your father's joy, you know that that's worth loving. Whatever your parents have loved, you've loved it too, because that's how you feel joy. That's how you feel comfort, and that's how you feel control. The older I got, something that I realized in my life was I did not want to be a pastor. Right now, I did not have a dream of standing on this stage and preaching. Why? Because my dad was a pastor. My dad was someone who had started a church and the church grew pretty big and he planted these other churches. But the only thing I could see when I was growing up is that I could only see the way that people treated my dad. And it used to anger me and I got bitter about it and I got frustrated because I felt like my dad was badly treated by other people. And every time he spent one hour with one person was an hour that was away from me. And I always felt rejected to some degree. And I always said to myself, I will never be a pastor. I'm never gonna do that. That's not something I wanna, I don't want to love what my dad loves because what he loves hurts him and I don't wanna be hurt myself. It wasn't until I was older and I realized I got to the place that everything I had planned in my life was falling apart and I became broken and I had to get back to God and say, Father, what do you want me to do? What is it you want of me? And here's the thing. God doesn't tell you what he wants you to do. He tells you what he loves. And when he showed me how much he loves people, I realized I had to do this. I had to become a pastor. And it's not because I had great desires and callings to be a pastor. It's simply because of this, because I saw that that's what the Father loves. And I knew that if I was gonna be close to the Father, I was gonna find the meaning that I wanted in life, if I was gonna discover the tools that I needed to conquer life, I had to be about the Father's business. I had to love what he loved. I wanna ask you this question today. What does your dad love? What does your Father in heaven love? Because he loves many things. So many of us have been looking for our meaning. We've been looking, what's my purpose? What's my calling? We're trying to define ourselves by the things that we do. I'm, I'm, I'm defined by my marriage, my job. I'm defined by how many children I have or don't have. I'm defined by whatever house I've been able to buy. I'm defined by the things that I can build with my hands. I'm defined by the vocation that I have. I'm defined by the amount of money that I make. But let me tell you, someday all that power is gonna disappear. It's going to go away. At some point, it can be taken in the drop of a hat just by you being injured or just by you being rejected or by your, light, your wife or your husband leaving you. It can be lost in the twinkling of an eye. You can't be defined by the things that you do. 
Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You're already doing all the things you need to do, but what you lack is what you love. Love the things that the Father loves. The hard thing with that is you have to give up your control. You got to give up your comforts, which is what we use all of our tools for, all our responses, all our learned skills. We're using those things to keep leveraging comfort and control back into our lives. You gotta give it up, because if you don't give it up, you're never going to discover that peace and that joy you truly crave, eternal life. Let's stand as we end today. You attract what you are, not what you want. Let me say it again. You attract what you are, not what you want. Whatever you want will come and go. It's what you are that you will attract. Love whatever God loves. Give whatever God wants you to give. It's super easy. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we wanna thank you that you showed us what love was by loving first. You gave your son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we wanna get to the place, Father, where we learn how to love what you love. Be honest, it's a little scary because it means you might be asking me to do something I don't wanna do. To give up something I don't wanna give up. Father, what do you love? What do you love? I see you, Father, loving the downtrodden. I see the Father hugging someone. I see the Father taking time out from what he thinks is busy and important and just taking a moment with his kids. I see the Father hugging my mother and showing me what love is. I see the Father deciding that the past will no longer define his future. The Father didn't give up on us on the day of the Garden of Eden when the fall came. I see the Father pushing in and reaching in and pushing towards us. And everything we see the Father doing, everything that we see the Father loving, we will love in the same way too. Father, I pray you would give us each a vision of what you love and help us to be about that one thing. Because as far as we're concerned, you'll take care of the rest. Father, fill us with your love. Forgive us for asking what we want. Forgive us for measuring what we don't have. Help us to always look for what you love. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.